take them and for the last several weeks we've been talking about prayer and, and how that prayer is absolutely one of the most important things that we can do as men and women of God in terms of undergirding our growth in Christ. You know, many of us came to the Lord many years ago. If I were to ask you when you got saved, many of you could tell me the day and the place and probably the time of day. Others of you, it's maybe more of a gradual thing. It, <clears throat> like with me, I grew up in a pastor's home, and I, I, you know, I'm not sure I can support this theologically, but I think I came out of my mother's womb saved. It felt like that anyway. Because I've never known anything but the church. I've grown up in the church and have been in the church all my life. I can point to a time in Fresno, California when I really felt like that I, I crossed that threshold and determined in my mind that I'm going to give my life to Christ. I had already been going to church. I'd already, <clears throat> I'd already been doing all the things that Christians do. But it was at that moment and in that time that I made up my mind that I am going to serve the Lord. But after we make that choice and make that decision, we have to develop things in our lives, disciplines in our lives that cause us and help us to become strong, mature men and women of God. And I think one of those things that we must do is to learn how to pray effectively. The scripture says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means if you can pray effectively and fervently, then it will do something in your life. Now today I want to talk to you for a little while about praying in the spirit. Now don't tune me out, please, because I'm talking about praying in the spirit. Because I realize that in every Pentecostal church, there are those that when you start talking about praying in the spirit... It weirds them out just a little bit. But I hope that you'll stay with me today and let me guide you through some scripture that will help you to understand what scripture is talking about when it says praying in the Spirit. So turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, if you will. I'll be reading from the ESV. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, and we'll read together. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And verse 18, notice, praying at all times in the Spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for the various passages that we're going to read today, and, and we're not going to stumble upon them, but we're going to go there strategically because there are some things that we need to learn today about praying in the Spirit. Now, I pray that you'll help me as the messenger today to speak effectively, that the words of my mouth represent your heart to your people. And may the ears of this congregation be open wide to hear all that you would speak to them. And Lord, let them make the necessary changes in their life that will enable them to be strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's begin with this fact. All believers in all places everywhere, according to Scripture, are to be continually praying in the Spirit. Now, for many of us, we've been conditioned to believe that when we hear that phrase, praying in the Spirit, we think we have to be speaking in tongues. We're Pentecostal, and so we've been trained that way. But that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever if Scripture is telling us that we should abandon our earthly language, whatever that might be, and simply operate in this world speaking in tongues everywhere we go, then we would not be able to communicate effectively to anyone. So there must be something that Scripture is saying that we haven't caught yet or that we're not totally understanding. Praying in the Spirit for the believer is not up for debate. It's not a dispute. It's not a matter of decision. It is absolutely essential for the edification of every believer, of every race, of every gender, and from every theological camp, we are to speak. To pray in the Spirit. Now there are two separate camps as it belongs to this idea of praying in the Spirit. The first camp is those that we call the cessationists. C-E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N-I-S-T. In other words, they believe that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer active in the world today. And so, therefore, for you to speak in tongues today would be inappropriate for you to pray in the Spirit, would be inappropriate because God is no longer putting his anointing upon the gifts of the Spirit. That's the cessationist group. We are a part of what is called the continuationist, which we believe that the gifts of the Spirit remain active in the church today And that the scripture says they shall remain active until that which is perfect has come. Well, that which is perfect has not come. 
That which is perfect is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes again in his perfection and takes us all away to be forever with him in kingdom, in his kingdom, there will be no need for the operation of spiritual gifts because we will be in the presence of the one who is perfect. So we are part of the group that would be called continuationists. And we believe that we should be acting in the gifts of the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. Jude chapter 1, verses 17 through 21 says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, for they said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, they are worldly people, and they are devoid of the Spirit. But you, who's you? It's you, and it's me. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that leads to eternal life. Did you see that? We are instructed by Scripture to pray in the Spirit until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been given clear instructions. Now, I know that some of you maybe come from backgrounds where you don't know much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or in the Spirit or walking in the Spirit because you really haven't been taught a whole lot about that. And so today I want to give you the Cliff Notes version of what it means to walk and talk and pray and live in the Spirit. A full study really needs to be done on Wednesday night when we dig deep into the Word of God and go to the places where we need to go. But I think I can help you today. So we're going to consider two questions as it pertains to praying in the Spirit. Are you with me? Everybody okay? Here we go. The first thing we need to do is we need to properly define what it means to pray in the Spirit. Well, the first thing that we have to understand is that we are all spiritual beings, that there are many spirits in the world today. You may not know this, but you're going to live forever whether you're a child of God or whether you're a child of the devil. Whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, there's a guarantee in Scripture that you're going to live forever. Where you live forever will be your choice. Jesus Christ came and gave his life so that if we would accept him, we could be forgiven of our sins, saved. We could become a child of God. And therefore, our sins being forgiven, we can look forward to spending eternal life with him. But I hate to tell you that if you choose not to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is a place that is reserved for those people as well. I say it with all love and with all humility, but there is a hell. God does not necessarily send people there, 
but he allows us to choose to spend our eternity there if we do not choose to accept Christ as our personal Savior. So we have to understand that we are all living in a spirit realm. I've told you for a long time now that we are not secular on one hand and spiritual on the other. We're not sanctified on Sundays and fleshly the rest of the week. If you're living your lives that way, you're not saved at all. You've got to put off the old man, the scripture says. Everything has to become new in you. And God can do that in you and for you. So there are three spirits that I want to help you identify today that will help you in terms of praying and living in the spirit. The first spirit that we need to identify is the human spirit. Now there are, there are some in our world today that they will tell you that you already have everything that you need in you to live a spiritual and a successful life. Everything you need is already there. You can just read your horoscope and you can get a good positive word off of Facebook every day. Hey, you don't really need church and we, you don't really need Jesus and you don't really need this and you don't really need scripture. You can just live because it's all in there anyway. But the scripture says no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Now that's either true or it's not. You see, this humanism that we deal with in our world today is going to take a lot of people to hell because we've been taught if it feels good, do it. If, if it feels natural, then do it. it. You know, I don't have to have someone telling me what to do and when to do it and how to live and where to live and, or anything of that nature because I'm just a... I'm a free bird. I, I can do what I want to do. I can't, you know, even, even the Bible says that the truth will set you free. So if I'm free, I can do anything I want to do whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it. But the apostle Paul comes back later and says, don't let your freedom cause you to live outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. Because God will not be mocked. We are to live according to his word. So there's this humanistic concept that says since you're human, you can make your own choices and do whatever you want to do. Now when it, when it comes to praying, if all the praying that you ever do is based on what you can conjure up by your own mind, you're not going to get very far. I read this quote this week and I loved it. It says, praying with our human spirit or mind will only say to God what the flesh can say. And it will only result in what the mind can conceive. Let me say that again. Praying with our human spirit or mind will only say to God what the flesh can say. And it will only result in what the mind can conceive. How many of you have ever gone to the drugstore or Walmart or Myers or whatever and you needed to get an anniversary card for your wife or your husband or you needed to get a birthday card for someone? And so you go and you start reading all of these cards and you're standing there, you got your hands in your pocket and you're reading them, you're taking them out and you're reading it, you put it, you put it back and you get another one out and you read it and you put it back and then, and then finally it hits you that is exactly what I want to say to my wife. 
I could have never thought to say it myself, but thank God there are people who write cards, amen, so that you can go and get them. I heard this story about this older couple that was on a fixed income, and so they decided instead of buying cards for one another on their anniversary, they'd go to the store and read them together. So he read a few and she read a few. They picked one, swapped them and said, this is what I wanted to say to you and swapped to the other one. This is what, and when they were done, they put them back in the rack and went home to McDonald's or wherever. Thank God that the Holy Spirit puts in our minds the things that we need to say when we're praying. Look at James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. If you have your Bibles, flip over there quickly. James 4, 1 through 4. <clears throat> it says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder other people. You covet and you cannot obtain... So you fight and you quarrel and you do not have because you do not ask. And then you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly so that you can spend it upon your own passions or your own humanity, if you will. And then he gets very strong with these words and he says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, if I were to ask you today, how many of you would like to be an enemy of God? I doubt there'd be one hand that would go up in this house today because we all want to be considered the friend of God. But scripture very clearly tells us that if we are a friend of the world and we buy into this humanistic spirit that you can see working in the world today, the Bible says, not pastor, not Rob Parsley, not Marilyn Hickey, not anybody else. The Bible says that if you are a friend of the world, you are at odds with God. So the first spirit that we must be aware of is the spirit of humanism, this human spirit. The second one is the demonic spirit that is active in the world today. Demons work overtime to distract, detour, and cause you to be disinterested and ultimately defeat you from spending time in prayer with God. Now, I know that some of you will be very uncomfortable for the next few minutes, but just hang on. Just hold on, dear one, because never, while you should never underestimate what the devil can do, you should never overestimate his power to overcome you. Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. No matter how tough the devil thinks he is, we are greater than he is because of the power of Jesus Christ that is in us. But there are demon spirits that are working against you. How many of you know the devil does not want you to succeed? 
And when God begins working a plan in your life, devils will fight with every ounce of energy that they have to kill you, to steal from you, and to destroy you. This is not just some fairy tale that is made up. The Bible says that there are demonic spirits that are at work in the world today. Now, don't lose any sleep over that tonight, though, because you have the ability to rebuke them in the name of Jesus and cause them to flee at the very name of Jesus Christ. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 gives us a good example of this. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the very first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me For I was left there with the kings of Persia. Now, who are the kings of Persia? The kings of Persia are are the devils that were assigned to that spiritual region and, and geographic region. And so what the angel of the Lord is saying to Daniel is that I heard God heard your prayer the very instant that you uttered it, but we have been involved in spiritual warfare in the heavenlies, and for 21 days we had to fight against the devils that have been assigned to come against you. But I've got good news for you today, Daniel. Michael came and stood by my side, and together we were able to overcome the demonic powers and spirits uh, And the answer that you prayed for is delivered to you today. Let me tell you something. There are people in this house today that you're too afraid of the devil. Now, I'm not saying you ought to disrespect the devil because he is a powerful spirit. But let me tell you today that the power of Jesus Christ that is alive and well within you and within his church today will overcome the power of the enemy every time. Every time. Every time. That's the reason they tell the story on Smith Wigglesworth. When he was asleep one night and he felt this demonic spirit come into his bedroom. And he's laying there in bed with his back to the door, the bedroom door. And when he felt that demonic spirit come into his room, he, he turned over and he looked. And the story goes that he saw the devil standing there. And he looked at him and he said, oh, it's just you. And rolled over and went back to sleep. May I tell you something, the devil is out to get you. John 10, 10 says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. Can you give the Lord praise today? He's worthy. So there's the human spirit. There are demonic spirits. Praise God, I'm glad to announce to you today there's also the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, in order to pray in the Spirit, we have to overcome 
what comes to us through our human mind and, and the temptation to take on the lies of the devil, we must free our spirit from our mind and the devil and we must be free to move and live and walk and talk and pray in the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us, how? Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. God knows through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit knows through God and Jesus Christ exactly what is going on. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now listen to this. Mark verse 13 in your Bible. Very important truth. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now, he's just given us the key here to praying in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is alive within us, then he says the way that that works is that we don't get the information from the spirit of the world, but we get it from the spirit of God and we impart it by the words that we speak. Man, you're just going to have to be, you're going to have to expect to be defeated. If all you ever do is just talk about, I just, I feel so down and discouraged and frustrated and I don't know, I just seem to stay aggravated all the time and my wife's bugging me and my husband's bugging me and my kids are bugging me and life is bugging me and I don't know if I'm going to vote or not and I don't, you can't make me and I don't know if I'm a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian. I don't know if I'm going to be for UK or UVL this week or WKU or if he'd have turned right instead of turn and left, we'd have won the game and all, that, and all this stuff builds up in us and we start spewing words that are inconsistent with the victory that God has already given us through his son, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. It's time for you to watch what comes out of your mouth. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Never came out of my mouth. I just posted on Facebook. <laughs> Better go back and read some posts. Go through your time hop and read a few years back. And look what has come out of your mouth through your fingers and out of your mind 
through what you've thought about. We don't learn from the spirit of this world. As children of God, we don't have to take the test that the devil gives us. We're free from it. We've been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so when words come out of our mouth, we need to start imparting the good things of God. We need to start looking at our spouse and impart hope to them and impart faith to them and impart love to them and looking at our children and instead of rubbing our fingers through our hair and saying, I don't know where they got that from. Just say, I don't know. They're going through something right now, but by the power of the Holy Holy Spirit of God, they're not going to just barely make it, uh, but they're going to thrive in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What spirit are you praying in? What spirit are you praying in? Pray in the Spirit. You say, well, that sounds good to me. I don't really know how to do that. Well, I'm going to give you three techniques that I think will help you. Is that okay? Everybody all right? It's 11.38 for those of you who are keeping score. That all sounds good. There's a human spirit. There's a demonic spirit. There's a Holy Spirit. How do I make all that work in my life? How do I pray in the Spirit? Well, the first thing is you've got to learn how to pray with intelligible words. Pray with intelligible words. In other words, you need to think about what it is that you're going to pray. And you need to select words that match your faith. You need to use words that will cause you to know and understand that I am praying according to the word of God and the will of God for my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 15 through 19. He says, so what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. Now, he's not talking about a humanistic mind here. We've turned the corner now. Christ is in him. He said in one place, he said, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. So when he talks about praying with his mind now, he's not talking about praying with a humanistic mind. He's talking about a mind that has been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He said, I will pray with my, my mind also, and I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up by it. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, when I'm in church with the body... I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, it says, Do not get drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another 
in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you got to learn how to start using your words. I get so tickled, tickled at contemporary modern parents sometimes. They look at their children and say, use your words now, honey. Come on, use your words. I was in a restaurant a few months ago. And I was sitting there eating and there was this mother. She was there and she had a baby there in the, in the high chair. And the baby was just going nuts. It's the baker curse. Every time I go into the restaurant, they put me in the baby section. I don't know why that is. <laughs> Baby's just going nuts. And she's sitting there and she's saying, Now, honey, mommy wants you to use your words. Mommy knows that you're very upset about something. And I don't know what it is, and I can't know unless you use your words. Now, honey, you know that we don't throw things. We use our words. And this goes on for quite some time. And the kid just gets worse and worse and worse, starts throwing stuff, throwing it in the floor, putting the crayons down in the floor, and then saying, So finally, I can see this frustration building up on this mother. And she says, use your words. Use your words. Use your words. And then finally, use your words. And the baby looked at her and said, no. (laughs) And the mother said, thank you. You know who won, don't you? So we have to learn how to use intelligible words. Some of you just need to learn how to talk to the Lord. You you know, sometimes it scares us when certain things come out of our mouth, especially when we're having to repent and ask the Lord to forgive us. Somebody say amen. amen. We hear that word or that concept and it's like, I know I told a lie this week, but I ain't gonna say that word lie. I don't like it. It offends me. I said, Lord, will you forgive me? Because I didn't really represent you the way that I could have. And I didn't really represent the situation the way it could have been. And, I, I, you know, I fudged just a little bit. And I slid just a tad bit. But, but God, I know you're able to forgive. Hey, listen, who are you trying to fool? Why don't you just say to the Lord, Lord, I lied. And if you'll forgive me, I'll do my best not to lie again. But if I lie again, forgive me again. And if I lie again, forgive me again. And Lord, I know that I did this and I know I did that. Let me just paint this picture as pretty as I can paint it. You're not doing it for God. You're doing it for you. Because you're ashamed and embarrassed by what you just said or did. So you might as well just cut to the chase 
and use your words, who knows the shock of hearing yourself say what you really are might cause you to change something and live in victory over that from this day forward. Oh, it's getting quiet, so I probably ought to move on. The second way that we pray in the Spirit is not only to use intelligible words, but we got to learn how to use unintelligible words. Now, there are at least three in Scripture that we're told about. Go to Mark chapter 7, verse 32 through 35. It says, And they brought to him, Jesus, a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers in his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, notice this, he sighed. And he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. And his ears were open, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. We get all caught up in the fact that Jesus stuck his fingers in his ears. Anybody want me to demonstrate? You volunteer? I mean, Jesus, he stuck his fingers in the guy's ears, and then the scripture says he spit. I spit all the time. Some of you know where the no spit zone is, and you try to sit there, you know. Put his fingers in his ears, and he spit. And then the scripture says he, he sighed. Have you ever found yourself so emotionally moved that the only response that you could give was just a sigh? We contemporary Pentecostals, we want to build a doctrine around that. So we have... People who go all around the world now that spit on people. Stick their hands in their ears. Blow on them. Somebody blows on me, I'm going to tell you something. It better be God. Because if it's not, I'm going to blow back. I promise I will. Well, throw them over in the floor. We build doctrines around things. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not a time. Obviously, Jesus put his fingers in his ears. He spit and he sighed. But we don't even read about the sigh. We don't even talk about the sigh. We talk about the fingers in the ears and the spitting. But what it's trying to tell us is, is this was a moment when Jesus released supernatural prayer to the Father by something that was unintelligible. It was a sigh. It was a heave. It represented a deep emotion. How many of you ever prayed like that in your life? How, how many of you have ever got down on your face before God and you were so overcome with emotion and you were so overcome by the situation that words would not come and they would not form on your lips and you found yourself just simply... It's a spiritual way of communicating to the Lord. And instead of getting frustrated with it, instead of saying, God, if I could just put some words in my mouth, 
No, this is one of those times words won't come. I can't think of what to say. And so the only thing I know to do is to release emotionally this thing to you and know that you understand. They're sighing. And then we're told in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Everybody reach over and grab your seatbelt. Pull it over here. Click it in. You ready? He's not talking about speaking in tongues. He's talking about groanings that come from the innermost being. You can't spell it. You can't write it. You can't journal about it. It is a a groaning from the inside that is so intimate that the only thing that you can hear or feel is this, this groan that comes from the inner man. And here's the part you need to hold on to. Most biblical scholars illustrate this best by the sounds that are frequently made when a husband and a wife are being intimate with one another. Picture that, if you will. When a husband and a wife are being physically intimate with one another, there are unintelligible sounds, groans, and moans which cannot be defined. They just rise up out of the spirit and sends a message to their lover. Did you have your seatbelt on? <laughs> Some of you just fidgeting right now. Oh, God help us. How far is he going to go with this? That's it right there. But when that kind of thing happens, it sends a message that no one else can send. You say, well, what if they're having an affair? It won't be the same. Because when a man and a woman are married in holy matrimony, God takes those two spirits and makes them one. And anyone who tries to get in on that is not one. They are coming in by way of the back door and the devil. When a man and a wife are intimate with one another, a communication takes place that can only take place in that realm. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying when we pray in the Spirit, it's not praying in tongues right there, although he will say, and we will talk about in just a second, about praying in tongues. But he's talking about something, a form of communication that is deep and can only happen between two who are deeply in love. Say amen. And then there were tongues. There were sighs. There are groans and there are tongues. 
Now, what he says to us is that there are times that praying in tongues is the only way to really ascertain what the will of God is. Because we must pray with tongues so that we can understand what it is that God is trying to say. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. Begin with me at verse 1. Sorry, I think I may have messed you up on this, John. Forgive me. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially those so that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people by their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Notice verse 5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Look at your neighbor and say, Paul wants all of us to speak in tongues. I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Now, I'm going to stop there for the sake of time today. But I want you to notice that phrase that says, when I pray in tongues, I'm praying mysteries unto the Father. I'm praying things that my own mind can't comprehend. I'm praying things that my own mind can't get hold of. I'm praying things that no one else can get hold of. But God understands. And God knows because it is God who is placing the language in my mouth and on my tongue so that when I use the language, I am releasing mysteries in the spirit to God. Let me just say this and then I know I have to move on. And we need to study this deeply some other time. But let me just tell you, some of you are so afraid that you're going to speak in tongues and sound foolish and be foolish that you've just decided I'm, glad enough, I'm just glad enough to be saved. If I know that I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, I'm okay with that. I don't need anything else. But Paul is saying, I want all of you to be filled with the Spirit. There are a couple of reasons. Jesus said, before he left, he said, be filled with the Spirit. Paul said, I want all of you to speak in tongues. Why? Because it will usher you into a a new dimension that will allow your mind to interact with God in the areas of mysteries, and you'll never be able to do that any other way until you learn how to pray in the Spirit of God. Now, I know this is not a shouting message, but I'll tell you what, if you grab a hold of it, it's going to change your prayer life. Come help me quit, will you? So we pray with intelligible words. I say what I know to say. I know what I can say. I pray with unintelligible words 
sighs, groans, tongues. But then there's one other way that Scripture illustrates that we should pray in the Spirit. And that is to pray without words. Just pray without words. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you could not use words, but you knew that you needed to pray? I was visiting a hospital one day and this individual was getting ready to have surgery and the nursing staff and the doctors were there and, and I was there and I'd gone to pray with this individual before surgery but they moved their surgery time up so when I got there they were already prepping this person to get ready I'm, I'm trying to talk to them and I'm trying to you know let them know I'm, we're praying for you today and I finally I just asked the the staff there, I said, can I just, can I pray? We don't have time to pray. We don't have time. Made me a little bit mad, but it's hard to pray and be mad at the same time. So I asked, Lord, forgive me. And as they were wheeling that person around and getting ready to leave, I thought, you can't stop me from praying. You may stop me from using words, but you can't stop me from praying. And I just stood there. Then I got really bold and I raised my hand. You say, you're stupid, Pastor. Well, maybe. But there are times that we can't articulate words for various reasons and so we have to learn how to pray in the Spirit without words. Look at Psalm chapter 19. Verse 14, it says, let the words of my mouth, and then he says, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. When Jonathan was just a baby, he had this odd way to communicate love. It's before he would talk and just a little guy and I'd hold him in my, my arms and we'd be walking or whatever and Jonathan would just, would just take his forehead and he'd just put it right on mine just put it right here forehead to forehead and I could look and his little eyes were looking in my little eyes and he was saying something to me I didn't have a clue what it was, but our spirits, our hearts were unified. Then he decided I need to send a stronger message. So he started bumping his head. It's my not hard. He just he just leaned back just a little bit. And again, I don't know what he was saying. But in that moment where no words, no words were being spoken, communication was taking place. In his own way, he was sending a message to me and letting me know that he wanted to be close to me, that he wanted to be held by me. So he would get up in my arms 
my forehead. Thank God he's changed the way he communicates. I get so tired of watching the enemy of our soul advance against us when he has no authority and no right to do so. None whatsoever. But if you concede to him and refuse to pray and refuse to pray in the spirit, He'll get you in a place of frustration and discouragement that ultimately will lead you to a place of giving up. Don't you dare give up. You have a spirit living within you that is far greater than any obstacle that you'll ever face in your life. And if you will just learn how to walk and talk and operate in that spirit, you'll walk in victory because the Lord will loose his promises into your life in a way that will send you soaring into a dimension where you've never lived before it is no secret